0: We are going to be in Proverbs chapter 1. I'm still thinking I'm a little loud, Andre, so take me down yet another notch because I might get enthusiastic here in a few minutes. Don't want to blow everybody out. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Let's go ahead to that first passage, Bill. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, it is really a tremendous blessing to be given by God this Word that He has provided for us to teach us in wise behavior. That's what Proverbs is. We, we can read it and gain understanding. We come to know with confidence what we can do to experience the favor of God upon our lives, to enjoy a life of victory and a life of abundance. And Today we hit on another theme from Proverbs, which is this, choose good friends. Choose good friends. And for this study, <coughs> we go no further than the 10th verse of chapter 1 for a relevant passage. Verse 10 My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. And all that, we're told, is what sinners say. And here now is what wisdom says. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path. So the emphasis within this theme of choosing good friends to be honest, is probably on the negative here. Don't mess around with the wicked. Don't get entangled with them. In chapter 2, you have the warning about the folly of associating with sexually loose people. He says, stay away from those types of folks. Usually, where there is a negative direction or directive in Scripture, there's also a positive command that accompanies it. Don't be with immoral men and women. Do be with people of sound character you can see that in chapter 13 verse 20 he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools suffers harm now that may state our theme for today as clearly as any verse in proverbs you see the glaring contrast if your friends are wise odds are you too will become wise but if your buddies are fools you are in a world of hurt That's why chapter 14, verse 7 says, read it with me, stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge on their lips. And finally, chapter 22, verse 24, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Here's the point. Don't Don't become buddies. Don't become close friends with evil people. But instead... Make friends who are righteous and wise. This is apparently a major concern for our God, and now I want us to consider why that is. Why is the company you keep such a big, big deal? I suppose the reason is obvious if you face it honestly. At least those of us who have grown into adulthood, I think, can reflect back on our lives and see how obviously true this is. Those who surround you make up one of the most powerful influences in your life. They exert a pressure on you that will invariably, unless constantly and vigorously resisted, it will invariably squeeze you into its mold. You don't have to be a psychologist. You don't have to be a biblical scholar to realize this. We all know that what we are today is largely a result of the combined influences of many people, family and friends alike. This is simply a major, major factor in the development of our children, isn't it? Who their buddies are can make a world of difference. And you parents who are now raising children should be intensely interested in who your children are associating with and learning with and playing with and growing up alongside. It's very possible that all of your wonderful parenting will be wasted if you neglect this one vital concern. There's nothing wrong, indeed I can see everything right, in parents taking an active role in your child's choices of friends. I reflected as I was preparing for this message on the early friendships in my own life, and I could see very plainly how much they shaped what I became. And I don't really know how much of a conscious attempt my mother made to get me in with a particular crowd as a little boy. But I look back today, and I thank God, I thank God that my best friends as a kid were probably the most upright, honest children that I knew. And they came from terrific homes to a large extent. This was due to my being raised in the context of the church. It was going to a a good elementary school. But whatever the causes, I want to share with you what I believe my early friendships did... (coughs) for my life. They reinforced the system of values that I was being taught at home and in church. Now, that doesn't sound like much until you compare my experience with the experience that some others had. Countless are the children who were taught very well at home, very well in the church, but go off to school. And they're surrounded by kids who display violent tempers or nasty speech or disrespect for authority. And these kids become their friends. And as time goes on, the values of the home are totally swept away and replaced by the values of the gang. Now, you know that happens time and time and time again. And parents start wondering, what happened To my sweet little girl, my precious little boy, where did I go wrong? And the whole problem lies in the type of friends that little Johnny developed. That's why I praise God that my best friends growing up came from Christian homes, approached life from the same essential set of values that I approached life from. I saw that their parents had the same basic set of understanding and rules that my parents had. I saw that those families were solid, and they were loving, and they were industrious. In fact, those homes were superior to my own home in those ways and served to strengthen my sense of right and wrong. So my early relationships served to reinforce my values. Now, there was a big adjustment for me when I went into seventh grade and went off from my little elementary school to the, the junior high that I became a part of. It was a much different culture that I faced there, and I really had my, my eyes open. I confronted a world that was much more corrupt, much more difficult than anything I thought I was going to be encountering, but I was able to survive it alongside those same close friends who would support rather than oppose my values. This monster that we call peer pressure, which eats many youngsters alive, can be weakened if you get into the right group. By the grace of God, I believe I did. I've seen the scars on those who did not. And so I know what Proverbs means when it says, if you walk with the wise, you will be wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. How many of you know that from personal experience, huh? (laughs) Yeah, most anybody over 15, I expect. Now, apart from friends and family, there's another set of characters whose influence we don't want to overlook as we ponder this subject They are the public figures, the people who enter your life not so much because they're there in your classroom or on your soccer team, but they enter your life via the media. With these folks, whether they be actors or speakers or authors or singers, we have sort of a one-way relationship that still influences us greatly because we welcome these people into our homes and into our cars for sometimes hours at a time, right? It's easy to get to the point where you feel closer to your favorite podcaster or your media figure than you do to your friends or your family. I know that I have felt a close kinship with certain teachers that I've heard via audio technology and the authors whose books and articles that I have often read. These get through to you, and, and they get through to your children, and they shape what you and yours will become. So you can't afford to be undiscerning in whom you choose, to be your media friends or your personal friends. The influence upon you that both groups will have is too great to ignore. Now, the reason for this is twofold. Your friends will greatly affect your life because you invariably tend to go where they go, and you do what they do. You go where they go, you do what they do do and first we see that you go where your friends go if your friends go to the bar if they go to the party if they go to the movie or if they go to church that's where you will likely be found if your friends walk into temptation you will most likely walk into those same temptations And that's why it is best to avoid those kinds of friends, at least as close companions, as a pursuer of righteousness. You cannot afford to let other people lead you into temptation. You uh, will go where your friends go. And because of that, you want to figure out first. Here's what you do. You figure out first, where do I want to go? (laughs) Where do I want to go? Where does God want me to go? And then you find friends who are going there too. You see the, the logic in that, the reason in that? You don't let your friends determine your destination. You let your destination determine your friends. I don't know if that may strike some of you as unkind in some way, but I can't apologize for this. Just because you're my buddy does not mean I'm going to follow you over a cliff. There are lots of people who are ready to go with you arm in arm to destruction. It doesn't matter where we're going, just so we're together. How about this instead? I am bound for the promised land. (laughs) I am going to walk the highway of holiness, and if you want to come and walk it with me, I'd love to have you along, but I cannot leave the path to join with your group. My goal is set before me in the word of God and I want companions who will not lead me astray but will in fact keep me straight and steady as I go, who will pull me back when I stray, who will urge me onward and upward. Good friends will help me reach my goal. Bad friends, they'll pull you down. Remember too that we are trying to avoid temptation. What does the Bible say? Flee temptation. Flee temptation. Making friends of evil people, that's running towards temptation, not away from it. Proverbs makes clear that to do so is asking for trouble. Chapter 16, verse 29, a a man of violence entices his neighbor, leads him in a way that is not good. Now, you you may say to yourself, well, I'll hang with my godless friends, but I won't do what they do. That's not fleeing temptation. Your choice of friends is critical because you will go where they go. Then two, you will do what they do. You will. This is the principle of imitation. You become like those around you. You you do. Why is it that none of your children have a British accent? Huh? You would think, I mean, a certain proportion or percentage of your kids would have British accents. In a country across the ocean, almost all the kids have British accents, but none of your kids do. Why do kids in Alabama tend to speak with a southern drawl, but kids in New Jersey, none of them do. The principle of imitation. We tend to become like those that we live around and among. It's true with speech. It's true with dress. It's true with morals. It's true with religion. It is a fact of life that says a great deal about who you want to surround yourself with. 1 Corinthians fifteen 33. Let's read it out loud together. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. <clears throat> Pretty clear, right? Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts Good morals, that's simple. It's obviously true, but so great is our ability to deceive ourselves that the apostle felt the need to add that little preface, don't be deceived. And I've come to see precisely why he felt the need to add it. All the time, there are people who I experience or watch saying to themselves, it won't hurt me to be with them. I'm strong enough not to let them influence me. It's okay to date that non-Christian guy to take that job among the bad influences, to listen to that musician. Who are you kidding? The point of this theme in Proverbs is that sinners will lead you astray because you will become like your friends, at least the closest ones in your life. He who walks with the wise will be wise, but he who does walk with fools. Huh. Over and over in the Torah you will find God's warnings to the nation of Israel as she approached Canaan. And the nation was warned about their getting overly engaged with and connected and entangled with the pagan nations around them. At the end of his life, after leading the people into the Promised Land, Joshua delivered his final address to his people, his last expression of concern for, for Israel. There's a number of verses but uh, we're going to work through this. Follow along. He says, be very firm then, To keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them, but you are to cling to the Lord your God, as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you, and as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they will be a snare and a trap to you." Oh, boy, don't you wish you had audio tape of this? Don't you wish this, this speech was on YouTube so you could, you could pick up on the passion with which Joshua spoke to the people at this point in his, in, in his life? These will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your, your, your God has given you. So they are warned not to marry, not to join themselves in any way with these other nations. Do you know Why? In Deuteronomy 7, Moses gave the same orders, and he explained it this way. They will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. Essentially, he says you should not associate with them, because if you do, you will become like them. You may not become as bad as them, but you will be influenced by them. Now, I could see how clearly this was the case in my own life. especially in one area of my life as a young person, and that was what we called cussing, the use of foul language, expletives. My parents did not cuss. Well, not in front of me. I was taught not to use that kind of language, and I grew up assuming that as a Christian young man, I would never adopt that type of language, although I knew kids who cussed, when I was uh, a little boy, it never became the dominant language of my culture until, well, into junior high school. Even then, I withstood the pressure because my best friends did not participate in that language. But about ninth grade, <laughs> two things changed. First, some of my friends started to succumb to the cultural norms. And secondly, a summer as an exchange student put me around a whole new set of friends. My friends from Colombia, America. They curse like sailors, bilingually, (laughs) in in two languages. And In fact, I first started using foul language in Spanish. And then when I came back to the United States, I started translating it into American. I I remember going through customs in Miami, and for the first time in my life, I, I, I uttered an expletive in front of an adult. That I still would not do, but of course my new habit fit in perfectly with the high school subculture of which I was a part, and eventually even the last holdouts among my friends picked up the lingo. It was a set of ungodly friends that led me into that habit. Now guess how I stopped? I didn't leave the world. I still heard all the verbal garbage out there on the basketball court or in the school classroom, but I developed a new set of friends coming out of high school. It, it, it was not, uh, it's not your, again, I say it's not your acquaintances that affect you so much as the people with whom you are more intimate. My new friends, they did not cuss. They did not want me to cuss, and they let me know that. And through their influence, my conscience, which had been worn away, was renewed. Well, ponder this principle of imitation. What it means for us, excuse me, uh, what it means for us is to determine what kind of person we want to be and then surround ourselves with people that want to be like that with us. Now, I know that when I went about trying to find a wife, I looked for someone who was the type of person that I wanted to become. Of all the people who will shape your life over the long term, your spouse, in most cases, is going to have the preeminent influence. I wanted someone who would not pull me down spiritually, but would lift me up. I knew this woman I married would shape what I became. Now, that may frighten some of you to ponder, you singles, because you look around and... (laughs) And you're going. I don't see anybody out there in my uh, sphere of influence that I would care to be like. Well, I understand that. But look, look past what the person is now to something that is really more important, and that what that is what he or she is becoming. Follow that. Not so much what where are they now, but what are they becoming? I had a call the other day uh, from a good friend of ours who was asking if he and his wife could stop by and have dinner and spend the night with me and Beth in a couple of weeks, and, uh, and he said he was on his way to a wedding, and we would we, like to come by and uh, visit with us uh, on his trip, and, uh, and we were like, sure, and I said, uh, whose wedding are you going to? He said, well, it's, uh, it's my wife's aunt. Your wife's aunt's getting married? He said, yeah. I said, how old is she? And he said, she's 93. <laughs> And I said, "Well, how old's the uh, <laughs> how old's the groom? Oh, he's 96." He says, "The bet the maid of honor is 99." <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be a fun wedding <laughs> uh, to go to? And if you've been around here very long, you know one of my favorite stories is about the elderly man who had just been remarried to a woman about as old as him. And someone asked him how he and his elderly bride met, uh, and he said he was sitting on the bench of his senior. Community one day, and this woman came up to him and looked right at him and said, You look just like my third husband. And he said to her, Really, how many have you had? And she said, Two. (laughs) Yeah. So, what someone is becoming, where they are going, is important because it's less true to say that you'll become what your friend is than to say you'll become what your friend is becoming. But this much is very clear. Your media friends and your personal friends will influence what you do. They'll shape what you are. So let's bring all this down to where we can use it, where it will really make a difference. Let me offer three applications that flow from our text, our lesson. To live according to this emphasis of God's wisdom, first of all, don't enter into harmful relationships. We've seen verse after verse in Proverbs on that point, so don't join in with people who are going to lead you astray. Now, this always raises a few questions. What about my job? (laughs) Okay, I have to work in an environment that can drag me down spiritually. What can I do about that? Well, some relationships in your life are voluntary, and some are less so, obviously, you, uh, you didn't pick your parents or your, your siblings. You can't choose them. Your friends, you pretty much can choose. The people you work with, well, they fall somewhere sort of in between, don't they? Uh, those of you who work in environments that lead you into sin need to realize that you may have the option of getting out of that environment. You, you don't like that option, do you? <laughs> Uh, You agree that your job is hurting your soul, but you wouldn't think of letting that ruin your career. And and, and brother, sister, I believe I have the mind of Christ when I challenge you to consider what is most important ultimately, your career or your relationship with God. There comes a point when you have to say, what does it profit me if I gain the world and lose my soul? If you cannot maintain spiritual health where you are, doing what you do, I urge you to get out. Get out. And trust God to supply your needs some other way. The word of God to all of us is stay away from the what's and the who's that would lead us into sin. That applies for your business. It applies for your marriage. You will become like those you are close to. What does that say to you single people about who you will marry? We go there again. What really counts in a husband or or a wife? Do you want to be like that man or woman You want to be like that man or woman you have your eye on? Are you moving in the same direction spiritually with that person? If not, stay out. The Christian life is tough enough without adding to your temptations by getting tied up in an intimate way with the unrighteous. Application two, break off harmful relationships. This is the same point as the first, except it assumes you're already in a relationship that is dragging you down. If it is dragging you down spiritually, break it off. Quickly, let me qualify that statement. I'm not saying that you should divorce your unbelieving spouse or reject your non-Christian parents. Those are relationships that God has brought you into. But friendships are things which you freely enter and which you are free to exit. Now, I'm not suggesting that you be rude, you be unkind in any way. If you need to break off a friendship for the sake of your soul, do that but be careful how you do that. A couple of basic ways you can do this. One is that you can directly communicate to the person that for the sake, for your own sake, because of your own weaknesses you need to back off from the relationship. The other way is to take control of the relationship and make it so boldly Christian that the friend will either adjust or They'll get away on their own initiative. And uh, doing this, it's not mean. You, who will you have as friends? That is your choice, and God commands you to make it wisely. He calls us to flee temptation, even if that temptation comes in the form of people that you may care about. Before I move on to our third application, I want to briefly comment on the, <clears throat> but what about Jesus' response? This is the objection that notes that our Savior was a friend of sinners. And so shouldn't we be like him, a friend of sinners? The objection, I think, reveals a couple of misunderstandings. First, it misunderstands at least what I'm meaning by by friend. Yes, we should be friendly, absolutely, with ungodly people. We don't need to shun their presence or refuse to eat with them or anything of the sort. If you mean that Jesus socialized at times with the ungodly, that's fine. I have no problem with that. In fact, I encourage you to reach out to people in those ways. But his companions, those with whom he walked and lived, were not those who were living in immorality and rebellion. And they were his disciples who at least were trying to live as he taught. Secondly, Jesus was a friend to sinners in that he sought to help them. He didn't spend time with them for his own sake or because he found them to be more fun in the religious crowd i've heard christians say that oh I, I like to hang with them because they have they do a lot of party ah, come on if your goal in being with the unrighteous is to help them to bless them have at it that's a wonderful thing but make sure that you are the influencer and not the influenced okay be alert to how you are being affected or effective. I applaud you if you go out and minister to folks that are immoral, but for self-development and for personal support, you'd best look elsewhere. All right, application number three, establish quality relationships. And to do that, to establish quality relationships with people that will encourage you in righteousness, and again, determine your goals, and then let your goals determine your close friends. Look around you and see who you would like to build a relationship with, a relationship that would be mutually beneficial. Find the church where you can go to get the most support in your Christian walk. You can sort of pretend you're new in this area, ask the question, who would I really benefit from as a Christian companion? Times when you do move give you a great opportunity to sort of do a reset on who your influencers in your life are. A lot of folks uh, just went off to college, Beth and I, when we pray for our college students. This is the prayer we offer almost every time that God would connect these folks to people at their universities and their colleges that that would walk with them in the way of godliness. And what a gift and a blessing it is to see when that does happen. We even support a ministry or two that uh, has that as a focus, helping college students connect with those who are wanting to serve Jesus together. So when college students go off to school, they can make a conscious choice about who they're going to bring around them as their close companions. When I went to the University of Florida as a (laughs) 19-year-old, I had this naive idea that I was going to be like the only serious Christian student in the entire school. What a dope. Uh, in a school of that size, there were more Christians there than there are at most Christian colleges. So plenty of folks that I could connect with and uh, and enter that Christian community with where the peer pressure that I experienced while I was in college was more positive than it was negative. So you can choose what scene you want to be a part of. You can get into the drug scene, the, the frat scene, the party scene, or the... Christian scene. The choice is yours, and that choice will go a very long way in determining what you become. So the wise person wants wisdom, wants righteousness, and so seeks out companions who are seeking those same things with them. I encourage you to do that, to heed the wisdom of God here, brothers and sisters, and choose good friends, beginning with the best friend that you can ever have, and the only one who will never leave you for any reason whatsoever. And that is Jesus, who is thankfully the friend of sinners and the one who lays down his life for his friends. Let's pray in his name as we close. Father, we thank you for your good word today. <clears throat> we thank you for all that we read in Proverbs and for the life that we find when we heed What you have to say to us in it. And we know, Lord, we've all failed concerning this issue. We know that we have led others astray. We have uh, sometimes not been good influences to those in our world. We have sometimes pursued people that, for whatever reason, we found appealing because they met some need, but not the need to walk in wisdom. God, forgive us. And we pray that you would uh, give us grace to make discerning choices. Lord, to be your representatives, your ambassadors, your agents, to express love and compassion to unbelieving people around us, but then to draw near in mutual support with those who are heading towards the promised land and the highway of holiness with us. God, surround your people with many who would encourage them in their walks. We do pray for our college students as we think of them today, as we prepare to send them some food and snacks to express our concern and care. Lord, we ask that you would surround them in their new environments with people that love you and who will exhort them to walk in the way of godliness. We pray for our high school and younger students as well who are in situations where prayer pressure is enormous, and we, we pray, God, that they would be discerning and that you would raise up for them Friends who walk along with them towards the joy of Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that you make us wise, men and women, boys and girls, for your glory. Amen.